0: So it's come up higher, and the subtitle was Seeing Through the Eyes of Jesus. Seeing Through the Eyes of Jesus. I've, I've been up a mountain. I've been up one mountain called Snowdon. I'm from Wales. So um, if it's going to go up a mountain, it's going to be there. Um, has anybody else been up a mountain? No, yes. Oh, right. Lots of people. Lots of people. Do you want to shout out which mountain it was? London. What? Okay. Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Brilliant. Because I, I know Alan. I know. I know when Alan goes to uh, Kilimanjaro, it's always bad weather. Because that's what Martin told us. So I, d- I don't know what the scene was like when you got to the top. Whether it was. All oh, right, there you go. It was a lovely day. You could see clearly. You could see. That's the ideal, isn't it? That you can actually, the mountain, you can see as far ahead of you, can't you? When I was in Snowdon, it was overcast, as it is in Wales most of the time. And it seems to be, anyway. And um, I didn't see a lot. But the, what we want to see is the view, don't we? We want to see further than we, we could see before. Um, and that's a little bit like what I think the Lord wants for us. Um, I mean so often I think our vision can become very much centered around what's happening with us now where we are now and the Lord wants us to to lift our vision up I always believe I, I I want to say I practice it but I'm not sure what I do but I want to be at that place where I practice it where our vision should be so much bigger than ourselves And if it isn't then we can carry on life without God it has to be bigger than ourselves it has to be more than we can accomplish on our own it has to be that the Lord steps in and something happens because he's there and at the beginning of this year I had that picture of a bar being raised and I felt the Lord saying I want you to raise the bar I want you to raise the bar, and I think he's saying it to us individually, but corporately. Let's just raise the bar of our expectation of what God can do, that he's not sort of limited. You know, he's a God that's up high. He's exalted. He's the God that is all-powerful. So this, this morning, I, I, I want us to look at um, a few things that I've, I, I've looked, thought about as i thought about coming up higher Um, And I'm going to use some verses which are quite well-known to us. I probably won't have much of a long passage to read, but some very well-known verses. And probably the the most um, well-known verse verse probably for Christians in the Bible um, is John 3, verse 16, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Um, And that is... um, That is a verse which we cling to, isn't it? It doesn't say that God so loved Green Street Green that he gave his only begotten son, although it does include us. It says that God so loved the world. And the first point I wanted to make is that as we come up higher, our vision becomes world-focused. Another well-known verse in Jesus' words, um, before he was ascended into heaven, he gave the great commission, didn't he? He gave the disciples. He said to them, Matthew 20, 28, uh, verses 18 and 20, he said, all authority on earth, heaven and earth, has been given to me. So he said, you go and you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Based on the words of the Great uh, Commission, uh, Keith Green, who perhaps many of you will know, I'm looking around, you're sort of the age that you would know him. Yeah, (laughs) many of you. Not all of you. Some of you are too young. But in the 70s and early 80s, he was... What a prolific sort of uh, Christian artist and uh, some worship songs. But often the songs were quite challenging songs. One of his albums was No Compromise. So that gives you an idea of the type of man he was. Um, And he set up this ministry called Last Day Ministries. Um, And what he said about the Great Commission, which I find very challenging, is this. If you don't have a definite call to stay here, you are called to go. If you don't have a definite call to stay here, you are called to go. And if you think of Jesus' words, he, tell, he tells the disciples to go, doesn't he? And um, I, I think God's word is often very, very challenging to us. and We don't necessarily always want to hear it. Um, but in Hebrews 4 um, verse 12, which interestingly fad's prayed for, as she's praying for me, it says that the Word of God is it's living and active. it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God comes as we open our heart to it, to judge us, to bring. Him glory to bring more and more fruits. In John 15, verse 3, which is John 15 was, if, if if you're not aware of it, it was the passage where Jesus talks about being the vine and that we are the branches. Um, and you know, we, we cannot uh, be fruitful unless we're connected to Jesus. And in John 15, verse 3, um, it says this. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. We use the word clean in most translations, but in the Greek, that word could also be used, as could also be pruned. So that you are pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. And the Lord does bring that sort of pruning, doesn't he? You know, when you hear, go and make disciples, perhaps we don't really think about well, what does that actually mean for me? What does that mean for us as a church? And, and I, it, we, often we don't feel comfortable with it. I know that I I have to ask the question when I read it, and these are some questions I ask, and I think we should ask: Lord, what does going and making disciples of all nations mean to me? What does it mean? For us at Green Street Green. Lord, we want to be obedient to your commands, so please show us. And he may challenge us to change our focus individually. He may challenge us to change our focus as a church so that we are looking beyond ourselves. In Acts 1, verse 8, again this was a verse that was Jesus gave before he was ascended into heaven. And he gave these, this, these words. And he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise, Holy Spirit. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a sort of a progression, isn't there, in that is that we 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 have a witness in green street green and perhaps our judea is orpington and bromley perhaps our samaria is the british isles perhaps the ends of the world are the ends of the world as we reach out and we can reach out in lots of ways some of us you know we, we can't physically go and um but for some of us perhaps we we should be asking lord do you want to as a Alex's song, Send Me. Do you want to send me? As we sang. Uh, But we can give, we can go by giving, can't we? We can go by praying. Um, As we gather as a church together, there are lots of reasons why we do this. But one of them must be that we need to build one another up. So that we're equipped to be released and to go into the world. Our vision is to become world focused. Also, as we come up higher, our vision becomes power focused. Jesus said, You will receive, in the verse I just read, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. We need power. Through the work of the holy spirit in us and through our lives to be able to witness to jesus because if we're followers of jesus jesus didn't just bring words did he he did works as well and and he and, and another challenging words of jesus <laughs> is that he talks he told his disciples to go and do the same and um we we need the spirit of god we need to be just open to the holy spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to to work in our lives. It, It wasn't just works, it was works of power. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4, he says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's, human's wisdom, but on God's power. The higher up we come, the more our vision is focused on God's power. We see him. We know that he is the supernatural God. And we know that if we've received Jesus in our lives, he says that we are born again. We're not just living in the flesh. We now live by the Spirit. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that's alive in us. In Ephesians 2, verse 6, it says, God raised up Christ and seated us, sorry, God raised us up with Christ, sorry, and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're seated so that we can know the authority that we have in Christ. And we can start to live in the reality of that. In Matthew 10, verses 7 to 8, it says, As you go, this is Jesus saying it to his disciples, proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead. Are you feeling uncomfortable? (laughs) I am. (laughs) Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely, you have received. Freely, give. For me and our our outreach and witness, I think healing has to be an area that we want to be reaching out more and more for. And, And Mike does a brilliant job in getting people together to do healing on the streets. But for all of us, I think, for me, I want to start to to press in for more of the Lord. You know, it's so easy. I'm talking to myself. It's so easy for me to be quite passive, quite easily just going along as usual, um, accepting certain things as being normal. um, Whereas actually the Lord wants us to start to see as it says there, through his eyes and see what is possible. You know, Jesus called the 12 disciples and us as his disciples to heal, to cast out demons. Really, it's to bring freedom. That's really what it was, body, soul, and spirit. He wants us to bring freedom into this world. I recently had a picture when I was praying I get lots of pictures, as you might be aware, it's just how God speaks to me. And I, I had a picture of me with, in this boat, and I, was, and I had the oars, and I was rowing against this current and against the waves in the sea. And as you can imagine, you know the current coming, the waves coming, you're not really getting that far. And then, then, there, then I had this sense of this, the picture of this engine being put in the boat. And... Um, and there was an ignition in the key that was ready to turn. And as the, the, the key was turned, the power in the boat started propelling it forward and moving it forward. Without any effort from me, I could just see the power coming through. And that's the Holy Spirit's work in us, isn't it? As we live in the Spirit, he is the power in our boat. Without it, we're inclined to get the oars out and try ourselves. Aha, uh-huh, we should be doing better than this. Let's get the oars out. Let's get a bit further. Rather than saying, well, is there a reason why we're not going, getting further? Is there a reason why we're not seeing what we want to see, seeing healing, seeing the peoples that we want saved? You know, is there, is there more to it than just us getting the oars out and trying harder? Is it, is it that the engine the ignition key needs to be turned. And that sort of leads me to the final points I want to make. As we come up higher, our vision becomes cross-focused. We have it here. Simon goes out every Friday with the cross. And we had some songs which were just encouraging us in our love for the Lord One of my favorite verses is Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's the I in the middle of our lives. And when we cross it, we have a cross. And the I, we do not want. (laughs) We want Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me, and gave himself for me. The Lord wants us to surrender our lives. He wants me to say, to come to Him. He's not interested in my clever ideas. He really isn't. He's not interested in how good I sound. He isn't. He's interested in our, my heart. He's interested in me saying to him that no one else satisfies but Jesus. No one else satisfies but Jesus. It has to be that we lay our lives before him. We give up all our own interests and just say, Lord, you have to have the first place. You have to be the one and only person that we are going for with all our hearts and with all our minds and with all our strength. That is how we're to love Him. We're to love Him with everything we have. And as we come up high and on the cross, we see the cross opening heaven up for us and freeing us from all that separates us. I just want to read some verses now from the account of Jesus' death in Matthew 27. It's Matthew 27, if you want to go to it, there's a few verses this time, rather than me rushing through some of them, perhaps. And in the account of Jesus' death in Matthew 27, it says from verse 50, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, and they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. In this Matthew's account, of the death of jesus we see something cataclysmic nature surrounding this whole death you know this, everything went dark we hear the you know thunder we the rock split open but what we we, we see which is perhaps more important is that the, t- the veil from heaven to earth was torn it was torn and what the veil did It was in the temple and the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence where the presence of God was, was housed in the Holy of Holies. And the veil separated the Holy of Holies from the other parts of the temple. And it could only, it was only the high priest who was prescribed once a year to come into the Holy of Holies. And that with the shedding of blood because it required death. It required death as our vision becomes cross-focused we're aware of God's presence that no longer lives in the temple God broke out into the world
1: and he broke
0: into our hearts and into our lives we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit the presence of and the power of God is available because the Holy Spirit is within us. We are his temple. Everything, everything has changed. Everything has changed. We no longer have rituals. We no longer have rules. We no longer have regulations that, that we have to follow. We follow one person, and that is Jesus And we go wherever he tells us to go. We do whatever he wants us to do. He is the one that has torn the veil. That his presence is with us forever and ever. Never, 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 never will I leave you or forsake you. He told us that. That's his command. We can trust him. We can know that it is true. He is our saviour. He is our saviour. He is our saviour. He is our Savior. He is our Savior. Lord, there's a world, as Paul says in Ephesians 2.12, they're without hope and without God in this world. But we have Jesus with us. And we have something to share and to bring to this world. Our vision is cross-focused. The veil is torn. And we may see ourselves saying, you know, perhaps during the worship, as we were worshipping, we thought, well, I can't. I'm finding it difficult to come close to God. I don't think I can come close to God. And and Wendy's word about the fact, well, God's here. (laughs) You can't get any closer. And we just need to have our hearts opened, our eyes opened to the reality. We need to start to build our faith up, to start to believe and understand that Jesus is with us. I believe that when we look at the cross, We should be more presence focused than sin focused. And don't get me wrong, I I believe that we need to come and confess our sins, and God, we want to be holy, he calls us to be holy. But I do believe that it's as we recognize and understand his presence, that he's with us, that we will become free of those things that have held us down and restricted us in our lives. Our our focus is on his presence in us. I'm coming to a conclusion, but I want to read a a passage, which again you may want to read in in the Bible if you wanted to open it up. John 21, verses 15 to 17. John 21, 15 to 17. And this is the story of um, after Simon... Peter had denied knowing Jesus before he was crucified. And Jesus, when he is resurrected, he reinstates. Um, he, calls, it's called, he calls him Simon at this point, um, actually. Um, but it's Simon Peter, or Peter as becomes later known. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The Lord has recently been challenging me (laughs) I get challenged quite a lot. <laughs> he's recently um, challenged me t- to prioritise relationship. And, um, you know, often I'm thinking ahead of the things I'd love to do for the Lord. And I want to do this, I want to do that. I don't know whether you're like me. You have all these ideas. I know I'd, I'd like to do this or that. And... But he's been saying, you know, ministry should always come out of relationship. Because, of course, the nature of God is relationship. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The nature of God is love, is how He defines Himself. He says, God is love. And it is always in that environment of relationship and of love that we come and that we're able to do the things that he wants us to, not out of a, a stress, not out of getting the oars out again. <laughs> no, it's not working. But actually out of a sense of resting in who God is and, and, who, and who he wants us to be in him, not who we want to be in. You know, often we want to be other people, don't we? We don't like what we see in ourselves, and we prefer to be somebody else. I would love to do that what the person's doing over there, Lord. But actually, it's, you know, it's something that's unique to us that God wants. You know, there's only one fingerprint that's got yours, and it's yours. <laughs> it's no one else's. So we're unique. We're people that God has fashioned for a particular purpose. So I've recently heard Rick Warren say, which I quite liked, this, um, that people would often say to him that they don't love Jesus enough and he said that isn't the problem the problem is that they're not aware of how much god loves them and if they are then their response will always be one of love for jesus you know 1 john 4 verse 19 it says we love because he first loved us and some of us it we need to be in that place of just receiving more and more of his love See, loving Jesus, I believe, is the key to everything that I've been saying this morning. So if we want to come up higher and we want to see through the eyes of Jesus, if we want to see a world and have a focus that is vision, that's world-focused, we need to have his love that actually sees people and he loves the world. We can't manufacture that. It's because Jesus loves the world that we can love the world. You know, and our, our focus, our vision and our focus becomes power-focused. You know, the Lord doesn't want people to be suffering and in pain. He doesn't want people to be um, in sickness, in, car, in, in, a, in a place of... Um, and I know these things are difficult. But the Lord wants, wants to release his spirit and his presence so that what we can experience more and more here on earth is his his kingdom coming his rule coming his healing his deliverance his freedom body soul and spirit and that's i believe what the lord wants and it's it comes out of loving it comes out of us having that cross focus where we say no longer i but you that lives i we've got some time so i just want to just make to take this opportunity actually and I, I'm standing now but if, for myself. But if in your heart you're saying now, I want to I have a life that is committed to loving Jesus in a way that I've never done before. I want to put him before anything else. Do you remember those words that Jesus said to Peter? Do you love me more than these? And often it's easy to love other things sometimes, you know. You know, we can love our families more than Jesus. Jesus should be first. (laughs) Our family, we can love our family best when we love Jesus with everything that's within us. Do you love me more than these? And if you feel you want to respond and say, yes, Lord, I want to love you more than these. Interestingly, I've, in that, in that passage, I've heard a commentary on it. Because in the commentary, it says, do you love me more than these? And the word of the Greek for love, for the first three times it said, or is it three or four times it said, is filial, which is a brotherly type of love. And then the last time Jesus said, do you love me, to Simon Peter, is agape. It's a, it's a sacrificial love. So we may feel, well, I, I love you enough as a friend, and which is great, but do we love the Lord enough? With an agape love, which says it doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to give me anything. You don't deserve anything. I want to love you. I want to love you. I want to love you from the depths of my heart. Nothing else satisfies jesus and if you want to just respond to that stand with me because i'm responding to it i want that type of passion for the lord that can never ever be extinguished i want to be hot i don't want to be lukewarm anymore jesus we just come to you now